This podcast is brought to you by Nesta, the UK's Innovation Foundation, and was recorded at Futurefest, our weekend festival of ideas. Close-ups, startups, and growing up. This is the Futurefest podcast. I'm Emily Elias, and we're asking, where is Africa heading in the future? On this episode, I'm particularly worried about the, the socioeconomic divide in the city. Ore Disu imagines what Nigeria's largest city will look like. Photographer Thomas Aquilina puts a face to urban Africa cities and... And the most important thing is that those startups are solving real-world problems. But let's start this podcast by focusing in on one African city in particular, Lagos. Nesta partnered up with the British Council to assemble a team of thinkers to debate what Nigeria's largest city will look like in 2060. Here are some of Ore Disu from the Nisibi Institute's hopes and fears about what her city will look like. Rather than having this pristine ivory tower type glittering city, which I think a lot of the the media has been projecting, especially the one the campaigns based based back home. Um, rather than having that, I think it will be a, a hybrid system where you have old and new technology, old and new architecture being fused together. So it will still look and feel like an African city, but we will be adapting processes in a way that is novel. And that's what I think is particularly interesting and exciting about um, the future and how we shape it. I think what I'm excited about is how people are becoming more and more flexible in terms of uh, how they generate income. So there are a lot of e-commerce businesses that are thriving right now and a lot of that has been made possible because of the boom or in the in digital technologies as well as in telecoms most especially. Uh, ten years ago, we didn't really have mobile phones. Well, actually, no, we did have ten years ago, but let's say 15 to 20 years ago, we didn't have mobile phones. But now it's hard to find someone who doesn't have a mobile phone, not just in Lagos, but across Nigeria. And you have people who have two or three mobile phones and they use it for, for different things, even as a business to um, almost rent out a phone to get other people who might not have credit to use. And I'm very excited about the potential of that to allow people to actually link up with other parts of the world, send wire money back and forth, and um, create new app applications that will, I suppose, attend to different uh, social issues that we have in the country right now. I think I'm particularly worried about the divide, the socioeconomic divide in the city, which seems to be deepening. What is particularly dangerous about that is although there is a lot of injustice happening within the political process and also within the the use of space which is you know a commodity as, as we know it what tends to happen is that I don't know if people really do have a sense of of social justice and a, a real understanding of their civic rights. So for example, in particular parts of the city where you have ongoing demolitions, I've noticed that in a lot of interviews afterwards of some of the victims of those um, mass demolitions is that you hear them saying, well, 
you know, this is this. Yes, this was my market stall or this was my home, but the government cleared it away, and I suppose that's because it's informal. That's because it's illegal, and I think we need to change the mentality and also find ways of having a more a, a more inclusive approach to governance in Nigeria. So it's I suppose it's a two side story. It's it's really about creating more. Uh, well, greater participation within decision-making processes and also enabling people on the ground to actually attend to their own needs. Meanwhile, one organization is going from city to city promoting change and innovation with the help of their trusted bus. The Venture Bus is Fabian Carlos Grohl, the founder of Ampine Africa's Big Idea. The goal is to take aspiring entrepreneurs and give them the tools to create startups for digital companies. Those selected to hop aboard the five-day expeditions travel from country to country, getting mentorship and inspiration to solve everyday problems. Fabian took to the stage at FutureFest and started by explaining who make up the passengers on the bus. We received hundreds of applications, not only from Africa, but also from the rest of the world. So um, software engineers from Google, Facebook, from Silicon Valley called us up and said, hey, can I jump on this bus? I want to be one of the entrepreneurs jumping on a bus, driving through Africa, and building the next mobile technology startup. So we thought, OK, and how cool would it be to foster a knowledge transfer by getting software engineers from Facebook and Google on board and having them work with local young hackers from Zimbabwe, let's say. And this is what we did. So basically, we selected 40 people to jump on that bus, took them all the way from Zimbabwe Harare down to Cape Town, around 1,500 kilometers, and they built eight startups. So they formed teams, they built eight startups. And the most important thing is that those startups are solving real-world problems. So it's, ne it's not the next Tinder app, even though that would be fun. It's, uh, it's also um, problems we're tackling in agriculture, education, energy, etc. And what we saw is that the problems our teams are working on in Africa are much more interesting than the ones in Europe. Because here, as I said earlier, it's probably the number 100 of a Groupon business or, or a dating app. We are also looking at um, empowering female entrepreneurs. So we have 50% females on board. This is particularly interesting and important for us. So we do work with many um, female empowerment organizations around the globe to receive applications, because it's kind of hard to get female software engineers on board. There's definitely less of those than, than males. And we do work, for example, with one organization very closely based in Kenya, Nairobi, called the Akira Chicks. And what they do is they go into, into slums and um, recruit uh, young girls and teach them how to code for six months and turn them into software engineers. So um, as of today, we have a portfolio of 30 active startups in uh, 17 African countries. And we are actively supporting them from, uh, from Africa, but also from our headquarters in Berlin. So some of the services we are offering this is mainly our matchmaking service where we're connecting our teams to investors from Africa and from abroad who want to invest into African startups. And we are also matchmaking our teams with mentors. And just to give you a couple of um, 
ideas on what we do. So this, for example, is one startup based out of Namibia. The team consists of two Namibian water engineers and one investment banker from Amsterdam. Um, the device they, are, they, they developed can be installed into bow, bowholes and in private households and measures the water quality. And as soon as the water is being contaminated, the software automatically sends you a message to your phone and informs you that you should not drink the water. And this is a real world problem because there's still 2.3 million children dying every year due to polluted water in Africa. Those guys have just been invited to the annual Africa conference at Harvard Business School. So um, they're still pretty young, but we are really hoping that they're going to make it. And uh, yeah, we are, we are trying to support them. Another solution would be um, Halt Ebola, which our team developed in West Africa. This is a service that uses um, the telco technology to connect people in rural areas with a call center. The most interesting twist of this business model is that you have experts who speak about how to prevent Ebola. And those experts are religious leaders. So those guys do have the trust of the communities, plus they also speak the local language. Um, we also have a couple of startups um, active in the healthcare field. One of them is Mobidava. Again, um, they are working on a solution that is trying to solve the problem of people buying medicine without knowing how to actually take it. People tend to lose uh, the little paper explaining you how to take it, how often, etc. So those guys, they actually have all um, information sheets about drugs available in the smartphone app, plus it has an alert reminding you of when you have to take, when you have to take it. I'm not gonna lie to you, I could really use that app in my life. Fabian Carlos Girl and Ambien's Venture Bus is gassing up for a new road trip. To follow their progress, go to ambien.org. So we've been talking a lot about the future, but let's just take a moment and focus in on the present. One exhibit at FutureFest featured the photography of Thomas Aquilina, who traveled across Africa documenting daily life. The architectural researcher and designer at Cambridge chatted with FutureFest's global curator, Jess Bland, about his images and the continent's ever-changing urban landscape. Do you tell us a little bit more about these photographs? Like, where, where do they come from and why did you choose these 12? For the last four years, I've lived and traveled between a number of cities, mostly in North and East Africa. Um, and these photographs document some of the lives of people lived, who live in these cities, the everyday lives of people and particularly uh, the, the collective unglamorous. Um, so those imagineers who are perhaps operate at a sort of small scale, informal market um, and, and these kind of small operations. And so the photographs move between Cairo and Addis Ababa, Lusaka and Kigali. When you say the collective unglamorous or the unglamorous collective and you talk about people um, as imagineers, um, what are the kind of activities they're up to and how are they different to perhaps um, people's, I guess, imagined version of an African city? I mean, maybe the, these activities from uh, an informal garbage collection to street vending is actually perhaps very much like the imagination, the dominant imagination. But the idea here is to not necessarily look at them 
uh, not necessarily to victimize these individuals, um, but to see what kind of untapped potential they have and how when uh, cobbled together, when seen as an urban majority, um, the kind of untapped potential that has and the, the sort of the um, faint, the sort of the faint creativity that's that's sort of exists within I think each each person's um, own capacity. Given this is a podcast we can't actually see the photographs so maybe you could um, do you have a favorite amongst the 12 and if not just pick one and explain to the listeners what it is and how, how maybe it fits into the series. My favorite is probably the second photograph which which um, which sort of looks down onto um, a young child who is sort of assembling an object. What's great about the image is that you see this, uh, they're at this sort of water's edge, Mm -hmm. and this is a large large informal site in in Lusaka, but then you look onto the image and you see this sky that's reflected back, and I just think that kind of idea of, of an imagination is sort of captured within this single image. And that's it for this episode of the Future Fest podcast. This podcast featured the music by Jazzar and Broke for free. And a special thanks to the British Council. Future Fest is brought to you by Nesta, an independent innovation charity with the mission to help people and organizations bring great ideas to life. To join the conversation, go to the website nesta.org.uk where you will find a fine selection of videos and even more information about Future Fest and the Future Fests to come. We'll be back next time where it's all about the money, money, money. Until then, I'm Emily Elias. Goodbye.